0: With much restriction, had Carver been taking pains to conceal a murdered man aboard the foundered ship. But by all reports, including that of the shipping agent Thomas Balfour, Carver had been most forthcoming in his business. He had submitted a cargo inventory to the harbour master, he had met with delegates from each of Hokitika's shipping firms in order to settle their accounts, and he had several times rowed out to the wreck himself, in the company of shipwrights, salvage vendors, and the like. My name's not Wells, Carver said at last. That was on behalf of someone else. It doesn't matter now. I beg your pardon, Lerventhal said smoothly. So Mr. Cosby Wells had lost the shipping crate, and you were helping him retrieve it. A pause, then. Yes. Well, then, I do hope you were successful in that project— I trust the crate was eventually returned to him? Carver jerked his head in annoyance. It doesn't matter, he said. I told you. But I would be remiss, Leventhal said, if I did not offer my condolences to you, Mr. Carver. Carver studied him. I was very saddened to learn of Mr. Vell's death, Leventhal continued. I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but by all accounts he was a decent citizen. Oh, I do hope I am not the man to break the news to you, that your acquaintance is deceased. No, Carver said again. I am glad of that. How did you know one another? The flash of irritation returned. Old friends. From Dunedin, perhaps, or further back. Carver did not look inclined to answer this, so Leventhal went on. Well, I expect it must be a great comfort to you to know that he died peacefully. Carver's mouth twisted. After a moment, he burst out, "What's peaceful? To die in our sleep, in our own homes? I dare say it is the best that any of us can hope for." Leventhal felt that he had gained some ground. He added. Though it was a great pity his wife was not present at his passing. Carver shrugged. Whatever sudden fire had prompted his last outburst had been smothered just as suddenly. A marriage is a man's own business, he said. I couldn't agree with you more, Lovental said. He smiled. Are you at all acquainted with Mrs. Wells? Carver made an inscrutable noise. I have had the pleasure of meeting her, but only briefly, Leventhal went on undeterred. I had intended to go along to the Wayfarer's fortune this evening, as a skeptic, of course, but with an open mind. Can I expect to see you there? No, Carver said. You can't. Perhaps your skepticism about seances exceeds even mine. I don't have an opinion about seances. Carver said. I might be there or I might not. In any case, I expect Mrs. Wells welcomed your return to Hokitika very gladly, said Leventhal, whose conversational gambits were becoming tenuous indeed. Yes, I am sure she must have been very pleased to know that you had returned. Carver was now looking openly annoyed. Why? he said. Why? said Leventhal. "'Because of all the fuss over his estate, of course.' "'Because the legal proceedings have been halted precisely on account of Weld's birth certificate. "'It's nowhere to be found!' Levental's voice rang out rather more loudly than he had intended, "'and he worried briefly that perhaps he had overplayed his hand. "'What he had said was perfectly true, and what's more, it was public knowledge.' Mrs. Wells' appeal to revoke the sale of Wells' estate had not yet been heard by the magistrate's court, because no documentation had survived the dead man that might have served as proof of his true identity. Lydia Wells had arrived in Hokitika several days after her late husband had been buried, and therefore had not identified his body. Short of digging his body up, the magistrate begged the widow's pardon, There was, it seemed, no way of proving that the hermit who had died in the Arahura Valley and the Mr. Crosby Wells who had signed Mrs. Wells' marriage certificate were the same man. Given the enormity of the inheritance in question, the magistrate thought it prudent to delay the court proceedings until a more definite conclusion could be reached, for which pronouncement Mrs. Wells thanked him very nicely. She assured him that her patience was of the most stalwart female variety— and that she would wait for as long as necessary for the outstanding debt, so she conceived of the inheritance, to be paid out to her. But Carver was not provoked. He only looked the editor up and down, and then said, in a voice of surly indifference, I want to place a notice in the Times. Yes, of course, Leventhal said. His heart was beating fast. Drawing a sheet of paper towards him, he said, What is it that you are wishing to sell? Carver explained that the hull of the Godspeed would shortly be dismantled, and in advance of this event he wished to sell her parts at auction on Friday, care of Glasson and Rowley salvage. He gave his instructions very curtly. No part was to be sold prior to auction. No privilege would be given, and no correspondence entered into. All inquiries were to be directed by post to Mr. Francis Carver at the Palace Hotel, ''You see, I am making careful note of it,'' Leventhal said. ''I will not make the mistake of omitting any part of your name, not this time. Say, I don't suppose that you and Crosby were related?'' Carver's mouth twisted again. ''No.'' ''It's true that Francis is a very common name,'' Leventhal said, nodding. He was still making note of the name of Carver's hotel and did not look up for several seconds. When he did, however, he found that Carver's expression had soured still further. "'What's your name?' Carver demanded, accenting the fact that he had not bothered to use it before. When lerventhal replied, Carver nodded slowly, as if committing the name to heart. Then he said, "'You'll shut your fucking mouth!' Leventhal was shocked. He received the payment for the advertisement and wrote up Carver's receipt in silence, penning the words very slowly and carefully, but with a steady hand. This was the first time he had ever been insulted in his own office, and his shock was such that he could not immediately respond. He felt an exhilaration building within him, a pressure, an exultant roaring sound, Lerventhal was the kind of man who became almost gladiatorial when he was shamed. He felt a martial stirring in his breast that was triumphal, even glad, as if a long-awaited call to arms had sounded somewhere close at hand, and he alone had felt its private resonation drumming in his ribcage, drumming in his blood.